everybody. Good morning. Good Good to see you guys here in the room. Those still at home know there's uh, a new thing happening today. It is a new day at Redeemer, isn't it? Uh, It it is a, a chance for us to turn another page in the story that's been written that's had a lot of ups and downs in almost four years now. I mean, it's been a wild ride, but I can't tell you how thankful I am to be back in this room. I was thinking, um, I was thinking about this, how uh, we're opening up again today. It reminded me, and Marilee alluded to this, to our flooding during Hurricane Harvey and um, how we were displaced. It was basically two months uh, that we weren't able to be in the space and um, and you know, and how hard that was uh, for those of you guys that were here. How hard that was to live in that reality. And do you know that it's it's now been this? It's been 210 days since we have had a worship service in this room uh, with folks like this in it. And man, how much harder has that been than than Harvey? But you know what? I was also thinking about how the first Sunday we got back from Harvey, we did something. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed. Does anybody remember what we did that first Sunday back? Okay, we didn't do anything. Don't. Uh, I got a new idea that I want to share with you guys <laughs> this morning. <laughs> uh, I wanna. I wanna take a moment and just stamp this, like to give thanks, to like do some release. Maybe I need to do that this morning. It's such a big deal to to be turning this page. To, to walk into this next phase. And so I want to let out a roar. I would invite you, if you would, with me, stand up. And on the count of three, from the bottom of your belly, I invite you to roar with me, okay? No, seriously, stand up, please. Um, uh, and, and this is a chance to give thanksgiving, release. Imagine you just made the game-winning shot in game seven of the NBA Finals. For me, that's super relevant. If not for you, just imagine whatever that is for you, right? But we're back, and it's time to give thanksgiving. So, And try to keep those droplets in. It's a muffled roar, right? But on the count of three, we're going to roar, all right? One, two, three. Roar! Yes, we're back! Yes! Have a seat. Thank you. So glad to be here. And I thought that was a real child right there for a second. That was really messing with my head. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> whoa. Uh, okay, so today we are finishing up um, our series, Grace is Greater. And um, it is, it's the last week. And at the beginning of the series, I said to everybody, Grace is something much better experienced than it is explained. You're going to get grace so much better if you receive it or you give it than if you just listen to me talk for the, for the next four weeks. So I said week one. And so I also gave you guys this equation. Grace is greater than blank. And I said, I want you to fill this in. I want you to look at a place in your life that's missed the grace of God where um, a a relationship or a situation or, um, you know, your circumstances, whatever it is, I want you to actually fill this blank in and pray for it and ask God to enter into it so you can experience grace. And I know some of you guys have done that, and I'm thankful. And I know some of you guys have actually experienced grace in ways that you hadn't before and therefore understood grace in ways that you haven't before. But I just want to say, as we finish this up, this isn't going anywhere, this equation, right? Like, remember this, 
And remember when times in your life come up where, where you need to know that God's grace is greater, you, you don't be afraid to fill in that blank and pray for it and lift it up and ask God to, to enter into that moment, okay? This, this is always true. Grace is always greater. Okay, some of you, when you filled it out, put in the word actually right here, weakness. Grace is greater than my weakness. Or maybe you didn't, and actually you should have. Uh, and the reason that you didn't uh, probably is because you didn't understand that where you needed to experience grace was in weakness. Because actually what happens is that sometimes when we need to, to know grace in our weakness, that weakness manifests itself in our lives as something else, right? We're weak, but it manifests defensiveness. Uh, we're weak and it manifests, it comes out in different insecurities. We're weak, but we get angry at somebody. And so what we think is that that manifestation of our weakness is, is actually the problem, the place where we need grace. But in reality, what's actually happened is that we have never come to terms with the fact that we are weak and we've never allowed ourselves to receive God's grace in that weakness. And I really want to just dig in in that today. Would you pray with me? Um, and then we'll get into more of the message and open God's word. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much for these people, for every single face that's here this morning. I want to thank you so much for your presence, for the chance that we have to be together and, and how important this is for us as a church and these relationships to sing, to open your word together, to talk before and after the service together. Lord, I just, I thank you that that started again and that's, that's here. And I just pray, Lord, that, that we could, we could have, we, I thank you that we have that back. And I pray that we could find that again, those of us that have lost it. And I pray even for everybody that's home that's not ready to come back yet. Lord, I pray that they continue to do the work to choose God and to choose people to walk forward in their faith. But now we come to you and we open your word. Lord, we ask you to speak. We know you've spoken in it. And so we ask you to speak into our weakness in ways that we can experience grace. Would your Holy Spirit open, pry open the hearts that are closed this morning? And Lord, would your Holy Spirit be at work to give us ears to hear? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Jesus. You are a rock and our redeemer. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, when, when we started this series, I shared that a lot of it, uh, some of it was inspired by this man um, named Kyle Eidelman in a book that he wrote called Grace is Greater. And uh, in that book, he shares a story that is super relevant to an experience of weakness. He got home from work one day, and his wife met him there at the door, and she said, hey, Kyle, um, I know you love waking up Morgan. It was a two-year-old daughter. He said, she said, why, she's been asleep in her room for a while. Why don't you go uh, and, and wake her up? I know you love doing that. And he was like, yeah, I'd, ha I'd be happy to do that. So he walked to her room, and he opened up the door and looked in, and he, he noticed um, that actually uh, this dresser that was in her room had toppled over and was, was laying um, on the ground and he actually immediately didn't think much of it. He just noticed it. And he walked over to Morgan's bed and then kind of uh, realized she wasn't there in her bed. And then he looked, kind of panned around the, the room looking for her somewhere else, fall asleep somewhere else. She wasn't there, walked over to the closet. She wasn't there. And then he started to 
get really worried because he thought about this chest. And so he ran over and he flipped over this dresser. And, and sure enough, there was his daughter underneath um, this dresser that had fallen over. And she wasn't moving. And um, her face was black and blue. And she looked lifeless. And uh, he got down on his knee and he put his hand under her head and thank God she had a pulse and she was, she could, he could see her little chest breathing and he called out to his wife and she ran in and they talked. He picked her up and rushed her to the car and, and they headed to the hospital dialing 911 and they got there and just a whole team of doctors kind of came around her and, and were looking at her and, and before he knew it, she was being rushed down the hall um, and, uh, and, and, and only one parent was allowed to go. And so mom went with his daughter back to the back of this hospital in the emergency area. And he was there in the hallway, just totally on his own, crying out, um, totally despondent, desperate, in a place where he said he just felt so helpless and so lost and so alone, screaming out to God, yelling, didn't care who was looking. Um, and he felt utterly and completely weak, right? And I, I'm actually going to come back to what happened in the rest of that story later. But just, have you guys ever been in a position like that in your life where you felt completely and utterly helpless to do anything? And there was some situation that, that was so much bigger and you, you just didn't know and you couldn't control an outcome. You just, you were there, desperate, despondent. It's a tough place to be. It's a place where we encounter our real, true weakness sometimes. I want to move into a passage in the Bible. It's in the book of 2 Corinthians. And I want to give you a little bit of context. 2 Corinthians is a letter written to the church in Corinth in the first century by the Apostle Paul. And um, Corinth, uh, this is kind of relevant, especially for what we're going to study today, was this major kind of metropolis in the Greco-Roman world in the first century. It was a major city. Think like New York, L.A. It had an elite social class. It had um, lots of commerce and money pouring through it. There were thought leaders in Corinth. There was massive, huge buildings. It was a place that really, um, really held up human achievement and success. And... Um, and Paul, in his missionary journeys, sharing the gospel, planted a church in Corinth. He shared the gospel with Jews that actually lived there and with Gentiles, non-Jews that lived there, and planted this church. And after a while, after he got that church formed, he moved on, as he did, and went to plant other churches in other places. But one of the things that we notice happened in, in that church through his letters to that church, or that there were some people that came into that church that had some really unbiblical, bad ideas about Christian faith. They had taken some of these cultural values of strength and success and power and were, were inserting it back into this gospel of grace and forgiveness through Jesus Christ in a way that, that misconstrued it, in a way that people in Corinth were confused about what the gospel actually meant. And so 
in all their talking about why these Corinthian Christians should listen to them and all their flash and knowledge, um, Paul is trying to address this. He's trying to uh, combat the things that they're being taught. And he actually does it by starting to talk like these false teachers did. He's, he, he, says, he says, this is foolish, but if they want to talk about power, let's talk about power. And now he starts to give us some of his own thoughts and experience and success and knowledge and his pedigree. This is what he says, chapter, uh, chapter 11, 2 Corinthians. Whatever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again. I dare to boast about it too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. So, so you see what Paul's doing here. He's kind of like, if they want to talk like this, let's talk like this. If you want to get into a pissing match, let's go, right? But seriously, that's what this is. And he says, if you want to talk about pedigree, I've got the best pedigree around. If you want to talk about knowledge, success, it's me. I know more than these guys. If you want to talk about serving Jesus, this is crazy that we would talk about this like this. But if you want to talk about serving Jesus, I have served him so much more. And he actually goes on, if you follow that passage, to talk like a madman about all the things he had done in service of Jesus Christ in the work of the gospel. Right? But here's what Paul knows. And here's what I think uh, we need to know as Christians is, is, is there any point in like talking like that and thinking like that from a Christian perspective? No, true power doesn't lie in the way that the world sees power and success and knowledge. It just, it just doesn't. Um, you're having a stacked up resume. Um, does anybody actually really care, right? Like having um, a fat bank account, right? Is that, is that true power? It can get some things done for you in the world, right? But ultimately, uh, you can't take your riches with you. And there's a futility to uh, money and fame that I think actually, in order to understand the gospel, we have to see those things in the light of eternity and ultimate reality and, and realize that, that the things that the world chases after and wants are ultimately not where, what we need or what, what actually leads us to the best things in life. And, and so Paul is, is wanting to draw people back into this, to help people know that it's because of our brokenness and our lostness and our weakness that Christ died. And he wants them to know that you need a humility to accept that and to bring that. And if you're going to grow spiritually and follow Jesus, in fact, what you have to do is not seek your own success, but seek your own death. Daily, you pick up your cross and follow him and let him live within you. And that's, that's the heart of the Christian message. It is so, such the antithesis to where that goes in the world. And, and the world doesn't want to accept it. We naturally don't want to accept it. Because who of us wake up every morning and say, Lord, make me humble? <laughs> we wake up and say, I got a to-do list of things that I want to do because I, I want to accomplish things. And I, there's some nuance there, okay? I'm not saying that's, that's all bad. But I'm saying it's not where the gospel lies and it's not where true power lies. And, and when we have pride slip into even the good things in our lives, 
we miss out on, on the great things that God can do in our lives through grace. And Paul is, is understanding that. He actually has come to understand that intimately. And later on in the passage, he lets us in to this, this place in his own spiritual life that's really kind of incredible, um, where God has taught him, and even good things in his life that he should be proud of, God wanted him to still be humble and know his weakness. And so this is what he actually shares with us later in the passage. Second Corinthians, we're now in chapter 12, verse 7. Paul says this, So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me, and he says again, and keep me from becoming proud. It's kind of a jarring, strange verse, especially if you hear it for the first time. Um, it's like, what did, what did he just say? Like, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to keep me from becoming proud. I want you to just imagine someone saying this to you, okay? Like, I want you to envision this. You walk up to somebody, and you say, hey, how's it going? You know, I haven't seen you in a while. It's COVID, right? It's good to see your face again, right? And how's it going? And they're like, ah, you know, uh, things have been a little crazy. Work's been tough, but you know what? I like, I just got a promotion. Uh, it's awesome. I think they're putting me on a management track at work. I'm really, I'm really excited about it. And you know, at home, you know, at the beginning of COVID with the wife, not so great, right? We had to figure some things out, but now we're doing better, right? Like we got some things in place and the, and the kids, like it's going, it's actually going great. Like they don't even ask for screen time anymore. That didn't ever happen to anybody, but, um, but <laughs> the kids are doing well. They're excelling in school and they're like, man, I'm so thankful. I got a lot to be thankful for. And you're like, that's great, man. That's great. And then, and then they look at you and they're like, yeah, but to keep me, keep me from being proud, uh, God gave me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. Right? What would you do? It's like, you'd be like, right? Tell, tell me more, right? Like, uh, it would be like a shocking thing. And that's what Paul is doing here. He, he's sharing a, an incredible shocking thing that honestly we want to know more about. And, um, and, and actually, when we step back, there is a part of this that we understand. This part about a thorn in the flesh where he it's we're pretty sure that is not literal. Um, it's figurative, but where he's got a thorn in his flesh. And I think we understand that experience by analogy. I actually intended this morning to bring uh, a real thorn from the knockout roses in my in my flower bed. I forgot like six times. And so um, I brought a thumbtack. And I just want to ask, any, any volunteers today want to come up here and jam this in your side? Anybody want a thorn in their flesh, right? Anybody? No takers, right? I was for sure like a student would be like, yeah, right? I'm coming up, right? But, okay, uh, students, uh, you sh it was your opportunity, right? We could have had some fun. But um, this right here, uh, we know what it's like to have something sharp and painful, in our bodies, because a lot of us have experienced it. You've been walking through the woods, you've been working out in the garden, and you get something jammed in your side or a bad splinter working with wood. That is horrible, 
right? Especially if you can't immediately attend to it. it that, that pain, like it digs in, it stays there, it doesn't go away, and you may be able to like keep walking for a while, but sometimes for me, that pain has been so bad, I had to stop what I was doing, say, I cannot do anything else until I attend to, actually, it was a literal thorn, uh, multiple times walking through the woods hunting, okay? And, um, and, and this is the analogy Paul is making. There's something in his life that hurts, that's digging in, that he doesn't want any anymore, that he deeply wants to remove. Um, and, and we understand that. Like, I think we can understand what it's like to have that experience. What we don't understand is what exactly this thorn was. And when we open up our Bible and we study this passage, um, we take all the little pieces of data that are in here to help us understand this. We cross-reference it. We study the Greek. What I can tell you is we still don't know with any great certainty what Paul exactly is talking about here when he talks about the thorn in his flesh. We don't. Sometimes, actually, that's true of different parts of the Bible. We just don't know. Um, I will say in recent days, the last seven months, when I think about uh, something that Paul wanted to go away that was painful, that was annoying. He later says that he asked God to take it away multiple times. I'm pretty sure this could also have been COVID, but um, that was funnier than the response that I got. But um, actually, the leading, the leading uh, kind of idea is that this was a physical infirmity, like that, that there was something physical bothering Paul. Some scholars suggest it could have been epilepsy, some clues there. Some scholars think it might have been bad eyesight or declining eyesight. Uh, some say it could have just been some sort of chronic condition that he had um, that was really tough for him. And if you suffered from any kind of chronic condition, you know how hard that can be. Um, uh, another suggestion is that it could have been an inability. Um, like he had some lack of capability that was really bothering him. And there's some clues in the New Testament that Paul wasn't the greatest speaker. He says, uh, I didn't come to you with eloquent speech. That actually may be, some scholars say, a way uh, for him to say he wasn't a good public speaker. And although he wrote a lot of the New Testament and taught in, in brilliant and beautiful ways, when he got up in front of people, it was just like, all oh, right, wasn't good at it. He hated it like some of us can, can relate to. Uh, and so he said, God, I don't want to do this anymore. And God said, nope, you're my chosen vessel. And I want to tell you, sometimes God asks us and chooses us to do things we don't appreciate or want to do, and he still asks us to do it. The other thing that we know, actually looking at this, is that whatever it was, Paul definitely considered it a spiritual attack. That is not ambiguous in what he says here a messenger from Satan, whatever this manifested as, Paul see, saw it as a spiritual attack on his life and probably his ministry. And whether it probably wasn't like a devil on his shoulder whispering in his ear, it could have been some sort of demonic oppression or some sort of deep darkness that just kind of was with him or a temptation or something. And 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 it was there, right? And And, and all that to say... We don't know exactly what it was, but again, I think we do know enough in what, he, in, in what Paul shares to, to relate to, to this experience. Because I imagine most people at some point in their lives, maybe now, have had something that they've said, Lord, I, I don't like this. I don't want this. I want you to take it away. 
This is painful. It hurts. I don't want to live with this. I think we get what it's like to have a thorn in the flesh in that way. And I'll just, I just ask you another blank you could think about. Uh, my thorn is, how would you fill in that blank? Is there a place you would fill that in right now? I don't know um, what God would say to you in it. I really don't. But actually, we do know what God said to Paul about this thorn in the flesh. So I just want you to keep reading with me. Here's the next verse that he shares. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. This thorn in his flesh, three different times he said, God, take this away from me. Let it be gone, right? And um, he prayed once. He didn't happen. He prayed twice. It didn't happen. I just want to pause and say, I think that there is this kind of belief, this teaching. Maybe it was there in the Corinthians church. It's definitely there in our world today where if we just pray hard enough and strong enough and with enough faith, right, what happens on that magic third Disney time when we pray, right? It goes away. The magic, the magic happens and suddenly everything's okay. But that's not what happens here for Paul. And I, I want to tell you, it's not what happens in our lives sometimes either. This is what God said to Paul. This is what he said. Each time he said, God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. God said to him each time, all three times, my grace, Paul, is all you need. Everything you need is in my grace. My power works best in weakness. So he says, I'm not taking this away from you. This thorn in your flesh, this thing you want gone, I'm not, I'm not just removing it. I'm not just going to end it. You know what's enough for you in it? The grace that I've poured out through Jesus, the grace that I offer you every day in your life. And he says, and Paul, I want you to know that in your weakness, because of this weakness, this is when I get to be strong. This is when I get to truly show up and show my power and goodness and grace and love and mercy in your life. Back to that story um, with Kyle Eidelman from the beginning I actually am really thankful for him. There was a happy ending. For his daughter Morgan, there was a happy ending. They took her back. She regained consciousness. She had some ongoing physical issues. Uh, she got over every single one of them. There's a very happy ending to that story um, for him. And for that, he thanked God. But you know what else he actually thanked God for looking back? Was that moment in the hallway. Um, I want to read you what he said. He said, looking back, sitting on the cold floor of that hospital hallway. I remember the, the feeling of utter helplessness. There was nothing I could do. Here's the thing, though. God had never felt closer or more real to me than he did in that moment. I have prayed in beautiful sanctuaries, worshipped in packed arenas, but... God showed up most powerfully to me in a cold, lonely, quiet hospital hallway. It's incredible, isn't it? That that's when he would look back on his life, that he would say it was that moment that was probably one of the worst in his life that, that he said God was also the most present. 
My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. When you think back on your own life and you think about those low moments, when you, when you cried out to God, when you needed uh, power presence, when you were helpless, when you were so weak, did, did God show up? I can tell you, actually, when I reflected on this, I, I very much related to what Kyle Eidelman said. So much. Um, uh, it, it was those moments where I couldn't do anything, where I was almost a bystander, that I actually felt the power and the presence of God holding me, right? I, uh, I think about standing at my dad's deathbed. I think about... Um, <laughs> taken on a gurney on a life flight out of Ukraine. I think about uh, times in my life where I've screwed things up and I've stood over the bad consequences of my own poor decisions. And yet even in all of those moments where I felt helpless, I also felt held. I felt a, a peace like I hadn't experienced. And, and, I, I was, and, and I just want to say, I think that's true. I think that's actually true when we realize that when we are weak, that's like when we make space for God to come in, that this is when we experience grace. And, and I just, just to be honest with y'all, you know, one of the places where I felt most weak in my entire life is the last seven months leading our church. Holy smokes, y'all, I did not sign up for this. <laughs> okay, it, is, it has been uh, and some of you guys know I stepped into this role where now I'm leading both campuses, three communities, a uh, 100,000 opinions of people that I love and care for, right? And, um, and I, don't, I don't know what to do. I, I want to tell you, there are times when I wake up and I'm like, I don't, Lord, I am at a loss. I, I am not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not spiritual enough to know what to do right now. And I'm not enough. I'm not. I've said that to God, and I want to say at the same time, there's not been a morning where I haven't woke up and given thanks for the opportunity that I have to be in the seat that I am. But I want to tell you, I am feeling my weakness right now in 2020, and I imagine many of y'all are too. And what I think, what I think God's been teaching me, and he probably wants to teach you too if you're relating to me right now, is it's time to actually embrace our weakness. It's time to trust that God's enough when we are not enough. It's time when we feel totally out of control, totally at a loss for what to do, totally uncertain of the future or, or have an ability to change an outcome that, that we need to know we can learn that God's grace is totally sufficient. It's absolutely, completely sufficient in that moment. And actually, in these moments, we have an opportunity to see God's power show up in our weakness. And, and um, I, I want to just say, I want to offer you this thought. Um, I think that if you're willing to embrace your weakness, if you're willing to give it up to the Lord, um, you're going to actually experience God's grace right now to the degree that you embrace your need for it. I think you will experience God's grace right now to the degree that you embrace your need for it. This might be one of the hardest times in your life, and you can fight it, you can clench your fists, but if you can instead open up your heart and your mind and embrace your need for God to step in, 
I think that's when you'll experience God's grace in ways that you haven't before. Would you guys do an exercise with me as we kind of close up this morning? Um, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Um, You're going to focus better that way. But I want you to think about a place in your life where you are weak, where you don't measure up, where you don't have enough, where you're in over your head, where you don't know what to do. Do you guys have that place in your, in your mind right now? All right. Just to name a few things. Maybe it's a decision you have to make. Maybe it's uh, a financial situation that's backwards and you just don't know if you're going to be able to write it around. Maybe it's an issue at work. Maybe it's behavior of kids. Maybe it's bigger. Maybe you lost your job and your identity with it. Maybe you have messed up a friendship. Maybe you screwed up things in your marriage, right? But whatever it is, you don't have enough, right? It's just too much. So I want you to actually take that and and like imagine it in your hands, like to hold that thing in your hands that you can't really even carry. And I want you to, to give it over. I want you to imagine Jesus in front of you. I just want you to give it to him. I say, Lord, I don't have the strength to carry this. And so I give it to you. I can't do this. I need you to help me do it, okay? Do that in your mind. Imagine that. And just let go of it for a second. And then I want you to hear these words that that God said. Hear your name. David, my grace is sufficient for you. I want you to hear God say that to you in this moment, in this situation. My power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Receive God's grace. Know his grace. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we lift up all these things to you that we've given you this morning. You know the things that are going on in everybody's life. You know the places where our knees are weak and our legs can't stand. You know the things that are bothering us, the thorns in our flesh, the problems in in our pain, Lord. Uh, We don't have enough. We are weak. And I pray that through the opening work of your Holy Spirit, we would come to tell you that. We would know that it's okay, that your love for us never changes. And Lord, we would give you, we would give you those things and receive in exchange the grace that you so readily give. We would give you those things and receive in exchange your power and your presence and your love. And Lord, I ask these things in faith. Whatever the outcomes, Lord, I, I pray that your grace would enter in, that we would know it's sufficient. These things we lift up to you in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.